Good morning and happy Sabbath church family. I am totally missing you guys, uh, but I'm excited that we are worshiping together today as a church family online. Please know that me and Pastor Matt and Pastor Luke, we are all praying for you and we are hope that you are encouraged today by Pastor Matt's message as you grow in your walk of faith with God. Uh, many of you I know have concerns about finances and we join you in prayer for that. For those of you that would still like to support us with church budget and tithe and local giving, you can give at the link below or you can mail in a check. We are so privileged to be able to worship together despite not being in a physical building. So join us today for worship. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. I'm so glad that you're here joining us. The sanctuary is empty. No one's here. But wherever you're worshiping from, I'm glad you chose to worship with us today. Hey, I'm not sure how you're viewing this video. Some of you might have gotten the link sent to you in your email this morning. You're on our ma mailing list, and so you got the link, and so you might be watching on Vimeo. I hope the majority of you are watching on Facebook right now, our Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church Facebook page. And uh, it's a premiere, which means it's happening right now, which means there's uh, other church members that are all logged on right now that are watching with you. And that comment section is your best friend because you'll be able to connect and comment with others as we worship together. So in that way, we can kind of be together and be interactive. There will be questions during the, during the sermon so that you can uh, communicate and connect back and forth. Hey, before we begin, I wanted to uh, give you an invitation. Next Friday night, Good Friday, we are not having our agape feast like we normally do. But instead, Pastor Luke and I would like to have a live communion service with you. Now that sounds a little complicated. It'll be live streamed from the church. Pastor Luke and I will be right here. But the communion part, the grape juice and the bread, how does that happen? So there's a couple different ways. One, if you do your normal grocery shopping like you probably will next week, you may just want to pick up some grape juice and some wheat thins and that will serve as the emblems. If you aren't able to go out and get that, or if you would just prefer someone to bring it to you, Pastor Luke and I have been deemed as essential, and so we are able to uh, navigate the streets and come to you. So if you would like us to bring grape juice and crackers to you, we are happy to do that. We love you, and we want to make sure that you are able to participate. But we need to know if that's what your desire is. So um, if you would like to, after this is over, or even uh, take a quick second during it, I'm fine with that too, go to mariettaadventist.org forward slash communion. And there's a short little form there, your name, your address, your phone number, and how many will be participating. And Pastor Luke and I will make sure that you have grape juice and bread to participate. And as we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning, although we aren't together, we know that you are with each and every one of us. And as we worship you through this message, may we hear your voice speak clearly to our hearts. God, we long for the day where we can be worshiping together, not just here in this church sanctuary, but in heaven with you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. In a world full of self-made Photoshop experts, it's hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. If you're like me, every time you see a picture on Facebook or some social media or anywhere, you wonder, is it been doctored? Has it been adjusted? Has it been Photoshopped? So this morning, 
I have a quiz for you, but I think you'll enjoy it. It's not a hard quiz and we can do it together. In fact, um, if you're watching on the Facebook premiere, the, the watch party, you'll be able to comment. And I wonder who the first commenters are gonna be on these five pictures on whether they are real or if they're fake. If you're just watching with your family and don't wanna comment, that's okay too. Maybe you guys can have a, a friendly battle on who wins the, these. All right, are you ready for the first one? Here it is. Is it real? Or is it fake? Is it believable? I mean, a guy riding his motorcycle on a, on a wave, that is pretty unbelievable. And yet, this guy's name is Robbie, and he did ride his Honda motorcycle that was outfitted with skis down this wave. All right, ready for the next one? Here it goes. Is it real or is it fake? Now, while these dogs are not the prettiest dogs, they are real. In fact, their names are Bambi and Cutie. They belong to a family in the Philippines, and they were born with a birth defect where both of their front legs weren't uh, fully developed. So they're not dogaroos, but they are pets of an actual family. All right, are you ready for the next one? Here it comes. Is it real or is it fake? It's real again. In fact, this guy's name is Matthias Schlitt, and he is a professional arm wrestler. He was born with one arm that was larger than the other, but that didn't hold him back because he decided to turn his defect into something powerful, and he became a professional arm wrestler. How are you doing on the quizzes? Are you getting them right? Let's go to the next one. Are you ready? Here it is. Is it real or is it fake? Timing is everything, and this one's for Pastor Luke because uh, it's a hockey scene. But uh, this is a real picture that somebody took where the helmet of this player just popped off at the right moment. It looks like his head has been decapitated, but it's not. It's still there as he's in the fight. All right, here's the last one. Here's the last one. Get ready. Here it comes. Is it real or is it fake? You guessed it. It's a real picture. In fact, um, you can make this picture too. If you have a couple of Fruit Loops, you can drop these into your coffee and you can make an owl picture as well. It's hard to know what is real and what is fake. Just a little while ago, uh, maybe a year or so ago, we, my family went to Panama City on a vacation. And uh, it was during that time that Scott and Kristen and Luke Anderson had been hired to be the teacher, one of the teachers at Carmen Adventist School and one teacher at AAA. And as they were making the transition, they had to find a, a place to live. And so they came one weekend to do house hunting, and it was the same weekend that we went to the beach. And so we said, hey, use our house. We won't be there, so you can stay there. And as they were staying there, and as I'm on the beach sitting in a, in a chair enjoying the sun, I get a text message from Scott that says, I hope that you guys are having fun. We are doing well, but your cat scratched our son Luke's face. And I looked at Jennifer and I said, we don't have a cat. What is he talking about? And a few seconds later, he sent me this picture here. And while it's not the best Photoshop picture, you can see that there's obviously a cat underneath Caffrey's bed. Now, we had asked Ashley Shuley, the third and fourth grade teacher from Carmen Avenue School, to dog sit for us that weekend. And so we quickly picked up our phones and texted her and said, do we have a cat in our house? 
Now, she was in church here in the sanctuary, and she was sitting next to Scott and Kristen while the sermon was being preached. And as she got that text message, she and Scott and Kristen about laughed out loud as they thought, Jennifer and Matt have believed something that is unbelievable. I think at some level, our trust and our belief in the unbelievable, because of all the things that we see that look believable and yet are fake, I think in some way it impacts our trust and our belief in the God of the universe. Now, there's a story that I'm excited to uh, lead you through today, and it's found in Mark chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles at home, you can feel free to follow along in them, or I'll put the, the, the verses on the screen and you can follow along there. But the story is a pretty fantastic story. Jesus, he has been, just told his disciples and the people with him that he's going to die. He's predicted his death, and he's told the disciples how that they should live as a disciple. Now, they head up to up a mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. We don't know where it really is exactly, but it's some mountaintop on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And as they get to the top, Jesus is transfigured. Peter, James, and John are there, and they're looking at him, and they're wondering, what's going on? His countenance changed. His robe is beaming white. And if that's not enough, Moses and Elijah show up, and the disciples are wondering what to do. It's an awkward situation. In fact, the Bible says that Peter didn't know what to say. And so Peter says to Jesus, "Um, would you like us to build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? It must have been an awkward situation for them. And a cloud descends around them and a voice peals from the cloud and it's God the Father. And he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The four of them, Jesus and the three disciples, they descend the mountain. And as they're descending, I can only imagine what the disciples are thinking in their heads. Who is this Jesus? What did we just experience Did we just hear the voice of God? Are we now in the presence of God? There's a question that I want to ask you this morning, and I'll give you 30 seconds to answer it with your family. And it's this question here. What would you have been thinking if you had just been a part of this experience? And as Jesus and Peter and James and John descend from the mountain, Jesus can already sense from the disciples, the other nine that are down at the base of the mountain, that there's something wrong. They're discouraged. They're distressed. They're distraught. There's something happening. And so Jesus asked, what's going on? And in Mark chapter 9, verse 17, he gets his response. Here's what it says. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Man, we're talking about something big here. We're talking about demon possession. We're talking about something that nobody can handle. I mean, the parents, they've tried to cast out the spirit. They brought him to the disciples. The disciples tried to cast out this demon. 
They have failed. They don't know what to do. This is something big, and it makes me wonder, what do you do with the big things that happen in your life? I'm talking big issues and big struggles and big problems and big things that you can't handle. Do you, does your faith waver when you face something that's so big? There's a verse that gets quoted all the time that's not in the Bible. Just the other day, I saw my neighbor across the street, and he was working on a project outside, and so I shouted across the street. I said, hey, Chris, how's it going, man? And he said, man, I feel like I haven't had a day off in weeks. He's working nights. He works at the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport as an airplane mechanic, and he's been working then he comes home and he gets a few hours of sleep and then uh, he's on to the honey-do list. He's re- redoing the flooring in his, uh, his, ca- his closet. He's putting things together. He's tiling a bathroom. He's doing so many different projects and he is just overworked and tired. He needs a break. And he shouts back across the street to him and he says, but the Bible says God will not give you more than you can handle. And I about lost my cool when I heard him quote that verse. See, Chris is an agnostic. He doesn't know if there's a God. He's not opposed to the idea of God, but he definitely doesn't have a personal relationship with God. And to hear him say that verse that God won't give him more than he can handle, it about made me lose my cool. Agnostics and Christians misquote this verse like it's something powerful. And yet, the, quote, the, the verse that they're misquoting is in 1 Corinthians 10. It says these words, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you can take. But when you're tempted, He will make a way for you to keep from falling into sin. Jesus is talking about sin. He's not talking about burdens that you carry. He's talking about a choice that a disciple, a follower of Jesus, someone that loves Jesus, has to choose every day between following Jesus and from sinning. He's talking about the freedom of choice that each one of us has, that we can choose to follow and honor God, or we can choose to disobey Him. And when Chris says, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle, it makes me lose my mind. Of course God will give you something that you can't handle. In fact, He gives you, He allows things to happen to you all the time that you can't handle. You can't handle financial crisis. You can't handle sickness when it takes one of your loved ones away. You can't handle divorce and being a single parent on your own. You can't handle the ups and downs and the ins and outs of life. You can't handle a lot of things. And God wouldn't leave you with a guilt trip where he says, Oh, I'm so sorry. I told you I wouldn't give you more than you can handle, but you obviously can't handle this, so you're not good enough. See, that's not the God that I know. The God that I know would do anything to help you. He would keep everything away from from hurting you. And when He allows you to have something that's bigger than you can't handle, it's it's giving you an opportunity to trust and learn, to lean on Him through it all. A question for you that I want to give you for the next 30 seconds is this. It might be a personal question that you don't post on Facebook. It might not be something that you really talk about with your family. It might just be something that you internalize and think about. 
But here's the question to think about for the next 30 seconds. What is something difficult, something big that you are facing right now? No matter what you're facing, no matter what struggle or trial or difficulty you're facing, you can take solace in the fact that the disciples, they struggled too. In fact, Jesus had already given them power to cast out demons when he sent them into Galilee to preach. And yet, as this father brings this son to them, they couldn't cast out the demon. They couldn't do it. The crowd's gathering around them. Jesus comes in close and he can sense that they have disbelief, that they're losing their faith in the faithful one. They're losing their faith in the power of Jesus that is with them. And as he senses their discouragement as they've failed him, he gives some stern encouragement in, in verse 19. He says this, You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You know, sometimes it's hard to read the words of Jesus because it feels like he's angry. And yet I don't read his words like he's angry. I read it like he's clapping or he's trying to get their attention as he says, Guys, I'm here. I'm the all-powerful one. Bring the boy to me and let's do it together. I mean, put yourself in the father's shoes. He's tried everything. He's taken his kid to doctors. They've poked and prodded him. They've taken his temperature. They've checked him for coronavirus. They've done it all. They've checked him out, and they couldn't cast the demon out. He's gone to his friends. They can't do it either. He brought it to the disciples who should be able to do that, and they can't, and he's desperate. And so finally, he brings the boy to Jesus. As I think about this father, and I think about my life, and I think about your situation too, how many tries... Do we try to fix our own problem and our own struggle and our own challenge before we take it to Jesus? How many other routes do we try before we take it to Him? Verse 20 says, So they brought Him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth, and as I read this story, it feels like it's a showdown between good and evil, between Christ and Satan, between, between Jesus and this demon. And it's like when the demon recognizes Jesus, he has to show his power to control this boy. And so he throws him into a seizure and a convulsion. And yet Jesus, the all-powerful one, is about to show his power and send this demon packing. You know Jesus the all-powerful one, the one that has the power to give life, the one that has the power to sustain life and give you every breath you've ever taken, the one that has power over death, and he's about to put an end to this demon. You know, every day I think of the power of God, mostly the power of God in his grace to me. 
I'm so unworthy, and yet because of His love and His grace to me, it makes me feel valuable. Just a couple of weeks ago, Jennifer, my wife, and I had the opportunity on a Monday morning to go on a date. And so we went uh, to the Flying Biscuit restaurant. It's one of my favorite restaurants. One of the church members had given us a gift card, and so we went there. It was raining that morning, and so we both were wearing rain jackets. And after we were seated, Jennifer took her jacket off, and I noticed that she was wearing a new shirt that I'd never seen before. Here's a picture of that shirt. And as I read the words on her shirt, it made me cry in the middle of the restaurant. Here's what the shirt says. Isn't it amazing to know that the most powerful being in the universe is also the kindest, most gracious, and forgiving one? Power? There's no one that has as much power as Jesus. He's got all the power in the universe. And if he wanted, he could obliterate sin, and he could, he could annihilate the devil, and he could be done with it all. But instead, he chooses to show his power through love to sinners. I mean, it's amazing to me that He shows His power to me daily by His love and His grace to me. Daily, God shows His power through love as a reminder of the time when He showed His grace in that ultimate sacrifice of giving us His Son, Jesus. That's power. That's grace. That's love. Paul says it best in Romans chapter 8. He says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for the day, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. It's such an unbelievable concept and because it's so unbelievable, I want to ask you this question. I want to give you 30 seconds to come up with one word. Think of one word that describes how you feel to know that the God of the universe won't let anything separate you from His love. The story continues in verse 21 where it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I pause here for a moment to focus in on one word. If. The father says, If you can help us. I mean, this father has tried everything that he can even think of, and his faith, his true statement of faith is shown as he says, if. He's not sure if he believes. He's not sure if he trusts. He's not sure if he has faith. So instead of faith, he just hopes. And there's a huge difference between hope and faith. 
We hope that the coronavirus will go away. We hope that the economy won't tank. We hope that we will still have our jobs. We hope that we won't run out of toilet paper. Listen, hope is like holding your breath with the future. Faith is trusting the one that knows the future. And the father in this story He doesn't have faith. He just hopes that Jesus can do something. He's just hoping, hoping that Jesus can give his son son freedom. In fact, Jesus continues the conversation with the father in verse 23, where he says, If you can, said Jesus, everything's possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And that has to speak to somebody this morning. I mean, are you the father in this story? Is your faith wavering? Are you believing, kind of partially believing and yet partially unbelieving? Or maybe you're just not sure what to believe. I mean, the God of the universe says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And yet it feels like he's nowhere to be seen. The God of the universe says that he has plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. And yet you look at the future and all you see is fear and trouble. Maybe you're just hoping instead of believing. And for the next 30 seconds, I want to ask this question for you, to you, so that you can mull it over. So here's the question. You can put it in the comment section or jot it down or talk about it with your family. What is one thing that you wish Jesus would do that would make you stop hoping and start believing? Well, as the father asks Jesus to help him with his unbelief, it's like Jesus says, here, hold my drink, watch this. And in verse 25, it says, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And I can only imagine how the father felt as he saw his son normal, self-controlled. His eyes were focused. He was breathing normally. He was healed. And you know what else was healed? The father's unbelief. Because he had seen the power of Jesus. And because he'd seen the power, he believed. I want to close, not with a story or an illustration, but just a single question. And I'm going to put the question on the screen for 30 seconds. And I think that many of you will choose to do different things with this question. Some of you will read it and turn off this video and move on with life, and that's okay. Others of you will read the question and you'll talk about it with your your family or whoever you're watching this with. Still others of you might even jot this question down and continue to think about it through the week as you dwell on the power of God. So here's the question just before a short announcement at the end. 
looking back over your life, how have you seen God move that builds your belief and trust in Him for the future? Hey, church family. I hope that you were blessed by this story today and Jesus casting out a demon. I wanted to remind you that uh, we're having our Friday night communion coming up this coming Friday night. If you need communion emblems, grape juice and bread, we need you to go to our website, mariettaadventist.org forward slash communion to uh, enter your contact information in that contact form so that Pastor Luke and I can bring it to you so that you can participate this coming Friday night in our, on our live communion. Uh, so make sure you do that if you need us to bring it to you. Have a wonderful Sabbath, and I can't wait to be with you soon.